Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Business of Design. If you are a design professional of any stripe, we already know we like you. Designers, decorators, stagers, stylists, organizers, architects, landscape designers, you are welcome here. And a special hello to Wallflower Designs in San Francisco, who's a florist who loves the podcast. So there you go. Community over competition. That's the spirit behind designer cooperative workspaces. What are the pros and cons of sharing these types of spaces? I wanted to know. And so we reached out to the Business of Design community and found a variety of members who are willing to share their experience, strength, and hope so the rest of us could learn. Turns out there was so much good information in this episode, we had to break it into two, episode 102 and episode 105. In the first episode, we'll hear from Business of Design member Tawny Peterson, who's considering launching her own collective in Central California. She's got questions. Then we're going to go on to learn some of the practical aspects of sharing space, such as who cleans the kitchen? What does my signage look like? Plus, we have to discuss buying cooperatives. Sure, big corporate entities are throwing themselves at us, promising ease of ordering, We'll do the paperwork so you don't have to, but that comes at a cost. Insignificant or zero profits on goods you are specifying. So what about a buying cooperative that's by designers and for designers? That sounds pretty good. We're also going to hear from longtime Business of Design member Leanne Bennell, whose 7070 cooperative has been up and running for years. She's way ahead of the curve on this. So much to learn. And not to worry, by the way, if you have no intention of joining a cooperative, these conversations really made me think about the value of community and what I need from my peers. Welcome. To the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Before we jump into the show, let's say hi to Cheryl Horn. Hey, Cheryl, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? You know, I'm good. I've got a suitcase started with some clothes for Australia, and uh, that's coming up first. But we have a whole bunch of events coming up after that. We do. Uh, We are headed to High Point Market. I'm excited to be heading back. We're doing Launch Projects Like a Boss, which is for three CEUs on April 5th, which is the Friday of High Point. So make sure you make your travel plans around that and register online. And then we've also just opened up registration for our Elite Retreat, which is going to be in Santa Monica in October this year. 
Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm bringing everybody to my home base. Um, and, uh, we're going to do some home tours. Uh, most importantly, the thing that people got out of the elite retreat in Palm Springs was the deep dive learning and the connecting with other members in a really mature way so that you're talking about systems and strategies and making improvements to your business from the very first day. And it's been so great. Our All of our members from the first trip have really kept in touch. Um, I feel like I know so many of our members now. It's, it's really been great. And I know a lot of them will be coming back for this round. All right. So still time to get in on the Melbourne event, that Friday night event. You'll have cocktails. You'll have drinks. We'll do some deep dive learning. Definitely time to get in on High Point. If you've never been to the market, come to launch projects like a boss. It's going to be a three-hour heavy lifting learning course where we will focus on business of design's first three steps of our project management strategy. So we will be talking about contracts and retainers. So do come out for that for sure. And then the last one that we are thinking about and working towards is our Santa Monica Business of Design Elite Retreat. And we hope you'll all sign up for that as well. Details on the website. Yeah. Head over to businessofdesign.com for uh, registration and details on all of those events. Sounds good. Tommy Peterson is a designer in Central California. Her company, Alchemy Interiors, works hand-in-hand with architects and contractors to oversee every step of the design process. Rooted in the philosophy that every space should serve to improve the lives of those who occupy it. I asked her how she chose the name Alchemy for her company and the definition of Alchemy, a seemingly magical process of transmuting a common substance into a substance of great value, a transformation, creation, or combination of elements into something new. Sounds pretty good. Hey, Tani, it's great talking to you like this. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We are all recovered from the plague of 2018 that hit us over the holidays and Uh, yeah back at work and hit the ground running oh wow you and I've had the pleasure to meet a few times so we hung out together in Los Angeles and we had a business of design meetup and then of course at the elite retreat in Palm Springs so we're like buds now we we know each other pretty well yeah it's both of those were such a treat and it's been a pleasure yeah getting to know you in person was yeah just extra special. (laughs) Well, back at you. And that's why I felt confident that we could kind of try this podcast experiment with Tawny, which is to say Tawny had questions about going out on her own and creating kind of a co-op group of designers. And I thought, I really don't have all the answers, but maybe if Tawny asks the questions and shares what she knows, we will approach other interior designers within the business of design community who have more answers. And we will cobble together a podcast, which will give everybody information about how to create a co-op if they want to, what are the positive benefits of that kind of experience, and what are the pitfalls and traps to look out for. So Tawny, you're the inspiration. Um, tell me what you are thinking. When I first came up on this idea um, or was inspired towards this idea, there were so many directions it could go. <laughs> um, and, you know, my mind worked a mile a minute and my mind is ahead of my <laughs> capacity. <laughs> right. Like all so of us. I, Right, right. So there was an opportunity for a building space that came, and I've been looking for an office space. Um, currently, I'm in a home office, which 
has worked great to date, um, but felt like I was potentially really ready to move beyond that, and um, but was really nervous about taking on the overhead of, of that comes with a space and leasing a building and all of that. So just started brainstorming about some solutions. And then this opportunity for this specific building came up and it just kind of rung all of the bells. Um, and, and I do all of my best thinking in those two hours that I lay in bed before I actually fall asleep. <laughs> and so I was just laying there at night, just think, thinking, how does this work for everyone? And, um, in that, those moments of quiet, immediately thought of some of my colleagues here in the area who I have good, strong relationships with, um, who could potentially benefit from the same thing, who are in similar places or even maybe different places in their kind of growth curve as a business. Yeah, so I reached out to, it was literally kind of a throwing it out there to the universe. Oh, what am I supposed to do? And within, I don't know, 48 hours, I ran into uh, a designer friend of mine who we've literally been trying to schedule lunch for a year. <laughs> and we ran into each other shopping. And, and then the other um, pair that I had in mind uh, reached out to me and asked, like, oh, we haven't seen you in a while. Let's go to lunch. So kind of the stars aligned, and we got the ball rolling and set up a first meeting. And and then, of course, I called you <laughs> and said, Kimberly, what do I do? Back check a little for us and tell us what kinds of things you want to share with other designers. What exactly are we talking about sharing? It's twofold. I think sharing... Um, my original inspiration was sharing creative energy. I'm a collaborator, collaborator, excuse me. I'm a collaborator by nature. And so I really enjoy and kind of king off of and thrive off of being in an environment where we can share ideas. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like every, and of course, business of design, everything I've learned through business of design has encouraged me in that vein. Um, so the first thing was creative energy and, you know, you've, t- I've, I know we've talked a lot in the business of design community about how it's easy to feel isolated. Mm-hmm. And I certainly as a solo have experienced that. And, um, so yeah, wa- really wanting to just no longer feel like an Island mm-hmm. <laughs> to feel like I was connected to another group. And, um, but it's interesting that you said that. The first thing that came to mind for you was creative brainstorming, which was definitely mm-hmm. important for me too. I felt like, gosh, I just want to run my ideas by somebody else who ha- might mm-hmm. see something, you know, that I'm not seeing. That was a, a big thing. But it, my first thing probably was I just wanted someone to share the hard stuff with me, like the paperwork, the mm-hmm. how to deal with clients. Like I just didn't know any of that. But for you, it really is about the creative brainstorming. Yeah, mostly. I mean, it's certainly we get together when we ever we do. <laughs> the, for the first meeting we had, um, we all started, you know, we're drinking wine and sharing stories. And there's just that energy that we have when we get together as designers. And it happens every time I'm with a group of designers who is open to that kind of sharing and transparency, it's, we all benefit from it and we all kind of are energized and walk away from the conversation feeling like we've been empowered, you know, with an extra piece of something. So, 
Um, yeah, that was the primary motivation. And then, you know, when I started to develop the business plan and after our conversation, I did a lot of thinking about the why and what my um, actual goals with this potential space were physically. And so then nuts and bolts started to become more important. So sharing some of the costs, um, but then also potentially sharing resources. I don't, I'm not in a place yet in my journey where I can bring on a, a, um, a technical designer. I'm informally trained. And so I don't, I have minimal knowledge of CAD and um, that's something I outsource at this point. Um, so that would be a piece or even administrative support. I have a fantastic um, intern come assistant and she's wonderful and she helps me a ton, but she's only available part-time. And so, you know, just some of those, um, the support systems to really handle the nuts and bolts of intaking orders, you know, checking for damages, handling any of those damages. When, you get to a point where you just, there aren't enough hours in a day to do all of that yourself. And so yeah. in one sense, your earning potential is limited because you have to hire <laughs> to bring, to actually be able to do more work, but trying to find the right person and then taking the time out to yeah. do those hiring practices and follow good hiring practices. Right. So yeah, just Sharing some of those physical resources as well, sharing okay. space, sharing the, the cost. It sounds like you want to share um, not only um, creative ideas, but also physically share a space. So share the rent for a space uh, and then share resources such as support staff, like a bookkeeper and a design assistant and all that kind of stuff. And even maybe share resources such as different trades that you work with, different places mm -hmm. that you're buying from. So a, a genuine cooperative. Yeah, actually. Yeah, exactly. And in one sense, it's kind of a utopian existence to be able to really be with other entrepreneurs who if you, if you have a certain perspective could be your competition. Mm -hmm. Um, but to kind of flip that on its head and reject the idea of scarcity and engage in genuine collaboration and cooperative business where, yeah, I'm not, I'm not freaking out about sharing one of my trades. Who's awesome. Cause if they, they get more work, that's good for them. They grow, you know, the, whomever the millwork guy or your plumber that's really great, which is really hard to find. <laughs> um, you know, they, as they grow, they are able to take on more and, and it really does just kind of come full circle. And I just think that if not in a naive way that, oh, there's just enough to go around, but I really do believe that there's this abundance and you get what you put out there and you attract what you put out there. And so I want to put out there this what I want to attract, which is other creatives, other people, other tradespeople who are collaborative in nature in the same way and want to kind of push everybody on to success. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. It sounds amazing. It, it does have a <laughs> ring of a 1960s hippies, you know, love compound about <laughs> it, bit. but that's okay. We're both from California. So that's cool. We like that. Um, yeah. But I think that there's real merit to joining forces in order to accomplish more in your business. And that is kind of a theme that we're hearing from a lot of business of design members. So what would you mm. say are your questions in terms of setting this up and making this work? 
I guess if I try to surmise and boil it down, the question is for anyone who's done this, what were the, if you, what were the phases, what were the stages that you implemented and and what ways did it work best? And then another question, Mm -hmm. more generic question, I guess a fundamental question is what types of situations might you find yourself in if you decide to go forward and do a cooperative? So reaching out Mm -hmm. to people who've been doing it for a while could be really helpful. Definitely. Yes. I I think I've lived long enough now to learn, to begin at least, to learn from other people's mistakes and not insist on making them myself. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wise. That's really wise. That's really, really a, a, a leap forward as far as I'm concerned. It took me a long time to figure out that that was a better way to do business. Yeah. Good for you. The other thing I would, I wouldn't think of easily or that people have learned from that in relationship to contracts or lease agreements or, you know, gosh, best practices for (laughs) bringing Mm -hmm. on janitorial staff or, you know, just the, the little nuances of that, you get excited and pumped up about this idea and then you start to put it on paper. It's so funny that you mentioned janitorial because who is going to empty the dishwasher? Who is going to fill the coffee machine, right? So many questions. This is what I know today is true. If I'm going to go into a venture like the one you're describing, I'm going to be much more likely to succeed if I have the rules and protocols and systems created before I launched the business because my general approach to life is like, oh my God, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Done. Right? (laughs) Launched. Yep. (laughs) I'm in. That sounds familiar. (laughs) And then uh, it's a shock when it doesn't go smoothly to me uh, every single time. Uh, and And I now know that if I'm going to be the person in charge of a joint venture like a cooperative space, then I'm going to have to take Mm -hmm. responsibility and create the rules and protocols before I take that first partner into the mix. Because if I don't, it's going to be a whole lot harder. So what, what I think you're looking for, Tani, is what are the protocols you need to have in place before you get this thing going? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I spoke to someone and I'm going to have to dig and to figure out who it was, but I spoke to a, a lovely woman who started a, a cooperative for buying so that she could band together with other design professionals and do all of their purchasing and receive a deeper mm-hmm. discount. Totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So things were going well and they decided, you know what, we have designer friends who aren't really part of our partnership, but they want to buy through mm. us too, and therefore our discounts will get even better. So they opened the door up to a few other designer friends, and a situation that happened to them is one of these outside people uh, placed a bunch of orders, and then there was something wrong with several of the pieces that they received. I'm going to say it was lighting because mm. it's always lighting is making me crazy yes. these days. <laughs> so, uh, and then it became a real struggle. Well, who's got to deal with the return and the deficiencies because they're right. So the partners started fighting Mm -hmm. about whose job it was. Well, what happened was everyone started pointing fingers at the partner designer who had brought this outside designer into the process and said, it's really your problem. She Mm -hmm. said, no, it's not my problem. We all made money on 
her purchasing through us. So it's all of our problems. So I can see how there's like all these little things that are, are important and will complicate the relationship. So I think, I think this is, I'm so happy you reached out because it feels like there are a lot of designers right now thinking about how can we band together to be more effective in our businesses and how can we keep up with all these big businesses with deep, deep pockets who are constantly eroding our profit margins. So it's an important, important topic. So many different ways to slice and dice this. We want to get answers. I'm curious uh, how this might work. And uh, had I thought of this 30 years ago, I probably would be in something like this because I do agree with you. Mm. The isolation factor is debilitating sometimes. I just wanted someone to, you know, cry to or ask mm-hmm. advice of or celebrate with, you know, that, that makes yeah. sense as well. So thank you so much for, for suggesting this topic idea. I was just listening yesterday to one of the episodes on the podcast that Cheryl had hosted. It's delightful and lovely Cheryl Horn. And, um, she, it was the one where people were calling in and thanking you. And I thought, I want, I want to call in and say Kimberly. And I just, so many times I think, what would Kimberly do? You know, we need those bracelets. You've made a space where this feeling that you've experienced has become the floor for the next, you know, uh, for the people coming behind you to kind of step up and step on your shoulders and, and take off from there. And I'm so incredibly grateful. I've learned so much and grown so much from being a part of the business of design community. So I do want to take this opportunity to well, thank you for sharing your brilliance and your heart. You know, you do pour your heart into all of this and it means a lot. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That just got me in the feels mm. right there. Thank you. Next, we're going to hear from Martha Rossellini. She is a window coverings expert. Check out her website, martharossellini.com. What beautiful work she does. Martha strives to work harmoniously with and support interior designers, builders, and architects. She is proud to be trade only and profoundly grateful for the treasured business, friendships, and relationships she's made in the industry. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with two cats, an English golden retriever, and thankfully a dog-loving, hiking enthusiast husband who's very kind, she says. By the way, Martha's cooperative workspace is the Den on School Street. Information about each of the guests with links will be at businessofdesign.com in the show notes. Martha, are you lovely coming to our rescue? Thank you so much. Hi. Hi. You're not feeling well. You're getting the flu. I'm getting the flu, yep. All and right. It's, cold and it's rainy in California and it's flooding and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. The weather, I got snowed in in Las Vegas, which is the first time this oh, ever happened in my yes. entire life. And then it snowed in Malibu the other day. We're like, what is happening? I know. It's California. Yeah. And there's absolutely zero sympathy coming from people who live anywhere else pretty much. So anyway, we're going to shush now. We're going to hush up like buttercups that we are. But you're so sweet for doing this because as you know, so many people are talking about cooperative workspaces. For me, I think I have a unique workspace in that we're in this historical Victorian home. In my particular workspace, we have um, a mortgage company and we have another designer, and then we have architects, and then we have um, uh, college um, prepping and and counseling. So there's a lot of different types of businesses and industries in in our co-op. 
So it's, it's just, it's an interesting kind of dynamic there. For me, I like it because it gets me out of my house. I can meet people in more of a professional setting. Mm -hmm. um, it, um, I, I, there, there's a, um, a conference room that I use a lot and I can reserve and do PowerPoint presentations and, and um, BOD chapter meetings there. So we don't have to limit our partners in this kind of endeavor to those who work in design. You might want to only have people who are designers in your co-op workspace, but what you're saying is you could open it up to other professions and you still get the benefit of camaraderie and sharing some of the overhead. Right, correct. So this is not my particular, I mean, I am renting space. It is not my my co-op. I am renting space from this um, beautiful Victorian historical landmark home, which has got a fireplace. And I mean, it's lovely, really I, lovely. I really appreciate what you said about looking more professional and feeling more professional because I worked for so many years out of my house and often the kids would be making noise and I'd be having to explain what that, you know, motor sound was. That's my son on right. the floor with the truck. And that, that never made me feel the gardener. Me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That didn't make me feel yeah. too professional. So right away, right. I think for some people who kind of crave legitimacy from an outside source, this could be an immediate solution to that and an affordable one. It, it is. It's, it's wonderful. And, and I, I can't tell you how many of my clients that have met me at my, my co-op workspace, how impressed they are and how they, they want to have meetings at my place now rather than me go to their office, which is really a switch, you know, which I really enjoy. I think where you're located and, and the, the kind of environment you're in makes a big difference. I mean, I chose this Victorian home because, you know, we're in the interior design business and it's very, it's a very interesting um, building. You know, it's, it's got a lot of history. It's, um, you know, you can sit outside, there's an arbor. In the winter, you can sit by the fireplace. So it's very kind of homey, which I like. But, um, but then, you know, I know a lot of designers, they're sharing spaces at WeWork in the Salesforce um, building in San Francisco. Now that's all kinds of people, right? I mean, there's not only interior designers in the larger co-ops. Mine's more of a boutique kind of a co-op. So you do want to think about your tribe. Who's my tribe? Right. Who am, am I going to feel most right. connected to? But for uh -huh. some people, they might really thrive in an environment where it was very strict business people. That might work for somebody. I feel like you're the person I need to ask this question of, not that I'm looking for the negative, but I bet you there are some challenges in cooperative workspaces. What would you say are the challenges that you have seen come up? If you get a private office, they're not necessarily um, inexpensive. So, you know, you the overhead is larger for a private office. If you don't have a private office and you have shared workspace, the um, it's a lot more affordable, but you don't have a designated filing cabinet. You know, you don't have, you don't have something that you can lock up and go home. Now they do have, um, some, there's private offices in, in my, in my workspace, there's private offices and there's also shared offices and the shared offices, you can get a, um, a filing cabinet and lock it up, but there's several desks in this one little room. There's not a lot of privacy. People are on the phone. There's a lot of interruptions that can you know interfere with what you're working on or 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 personal phone calls so 
That might be a good tip, though, to visit the space before you consider whether or not you want to rent there and see what the noise level is like. If you were starting your own co-op, it seems to me you could address the situation where there's no filing cabinet. Like, you know how the gyms have lockers. Maybe there's a locker area where there are different filing cabinets. Um, oh, I so, see. Yeah, so that's the, a great idea. That could sort of be addressed. But you, that, that noise level thing is a real thing. Like, I really do well. If I'm working on a book, I go and sit at a Starbucks where there's a lot of white noise and background activity that I don't know why, but that keeps me sort of focused. If I'm writing alone at my desk in my office and it's too quiet, I can't think. But when you're in a, in a closed room with, you know, three or four other desks, there's no cubicles. They're all just there. It, it's, it's a different, it's not, it's not so much a white noise. It's more of hearing people, hearing conversations. It's almost like not enough noise, just enough, just enough to get you distracted or try not to think. And sometimes they're loud. I mean, there was one, one guy that was using our space. I mean, he was so loud. I mean, his voice went all the way up the stairs from the basement. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, I, it was something I really, I needed to address with him and and he he wasn't aware of that, but loud talker is a problem. Well, um, and, and and me too. I mean, I don't want to feel self conscious if I'm on the phone. Now they do have okay. Well, here's the irony also with our location is we have two soundproof foam booths, so you can go inside and they're they're padded in foam. It, it's like foam cones. It's it's hilarious. It's like a like I'm going to put me in a straight jacket in there, but they're they're soundproof, but you don't get cell reception in there. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, I can't, you know, I can't use them. So, so there it's, you, it's an you, irony. You go in, and go in there and scream. Yeah. You go in there and you lose your mind. He's a loud talker. Ah, yeah. and then you and come, come out and you out. feel better. Yeah. Okay. Right. What about sharing the kitchen? I imagine because I'm like, I would be like correcting people about putting things away or keeping the fridge clean or wiping up after themselves. Well, I could yeah. find myself being nutty there. I do too, because I, I do go, I'll smell something in the refrigerator and I've got to go in there and find out what it is and clean it. So yeah, I'm, I do the same way, but all in all, I have to say that everybody's very respectful of the kitchen and, and the kitchen, we have a wool stove and a, and a, and a Viking range. I mean, we have all kinds of really high-end appliances in there because a builder uh, used this house as a, um, as his office and a very high-end builder in the area. And so he, you know, this was a sample of his work. So everything is like the moldings and the trims and the doors and the windows. I mean, everything is over the top, which is another fun place to work, you know? Well, so um, you, you might need to think about that as well. What is this physical environment saying to my clients? Right, Does this suit right. my brand? Okay, yes. so it sounds to me like none of the things that are difficult are insurmountable problems. If you're thinking like Tawny, Tawny's the person who launched this episode because she wants to open her own cooperative workspace and she has so uh-huh. many questions. Um, it sounds like all of the things that we've talked about so far are things that she could incorporate into her space right from the beginning. Right. So all in all, good. It's a great opportunity. It sounds like you have no regrets from doing a cooperative space. Oh, gosh, no. 
No, none at all whatsoever. I have absolutely no regrets. I, it's the best move I made. It's funny. It didn't occur to me before, but Tawny and you and Leanne Bennell were all three at Business of Design's Elite Retreat yeah. in Palm Springs. Right. That's so yep. funny. Martha, you're a love. Thank you. I need right. to come to a Business of Design chapter meeting in San Francisco. Yes. I think we're talking about September, right? Yes, we are. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Yep. We'll have it in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> okay. Thanks, sweetie. Hey, thanks. All right. Thank you. Martha rents a space in such a collective. It's not just for designers in her case, but she certainly had great information about the practical elements. You can rent a space within any of those cooperatives that are already going. And actually, I think that could be a really smart decision. Certainly when I started out, surrounding myself with other business owners may have given me a fast track to how to improve my design business, where surrounding myself with other designers would probably have been disastrous. So I actually think that's a real option to get yourself into a cooperative or collective workspace with other business owners and learn from them. So that's one option. Another option is starting your own. Now you'll hear from Carly Nemteen. Carly operates a company called Carriage Lane Design Build, and she has done so for eight years. She's grown her company, which started with two founders, into now 10 plus full-time associates and tradespeople. She focuses on full home renovations and additions, and they have already created a cooperative by melding their design team with a staple of vendors, their stone and millwork vendors, for example. So she's got some experience with collectives. Now she's going to roll that out into being a designer-only collective called the Collective Workspace Toronto. Hey, Carly, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Good. It's nice to talk to you this way. And thank you especially for coming on about this topic because I know you were really keen to launch your collective workspace. And so you're going to have great information for our Business of Design member, Tawny, who wants to know what is she getting into with a cooperative workspace? So we spoke with one Business of Design member who is in a cooperative workspace or a collective workspace. And she said one of the big pros was you're no longer as isolated, which seems like a really big pro to me. One of the cons is it can be quite noisy when everybody's in the house and on the phone. We kind of got those two basics covered, and I know you're going to have some more information about life in a collective, so take it away. The whole idea of co-working space is to really meet your competitors, you know, your peers, and really build relationships, right? For me, that's the reasoning for a co-working space, to really you know, lean on other professionals, create a place that's the safe place for you that you can go to and feel empowered. People like you and other designers and industry and women have really just like opened up these doors to allow us to say, wow, like, you know what? Like I might be taken seriously <laughs> in Absolutely. some respect. Have you, has your collective started? We have finalized the building and we're building it out. We were right now hiring for project uh, uh, community manager and for resource librarian. Um, so we're actually building our sponsorships and our partnerships and our vendor library. So, you know, it is something that's been, that's, you know, we've leaned on and seen how other aspects work from small aspects to larger aspects in the co-working space. 
design-oriented, architecture-oriented, you know, accountant-oriented, tech-oriented, and we've taken basically all the things that a designer needs on a day-to-day basis, and we're executing it. So we're first to market in the sense of we're going to create storage facilities that are month-to-month rentals. We're creating four different residency tiers that are month-to-month rentals. And then we're also creating boardrooms, meeting rooms, and actual, you know, internship Upwork programs so that we can really fuse, you know, the relationships between schools and the real world. Because, like, you know, business of design is where that fills a gap 100%. And we want to bring that gap to, you know, a place that people can actually interact hand on hand and face to face and actually learn from the ground up and have access to these skills and these opportunities and these resources and, you know, integrity based resources. Like we want to make sure that the vendors that were coming into our library are vendors that, you know, are not cutting the bottom dollar, but their product is also insufficient and, unefi- and inefficient for our needs. We're trying to build a society where we rule. <laughs> we've, been, we've been kicked a little bit too much. I think we need to take that power back. I absolutely love this. No one could ever say we're not an ambitious group because what you're talking about, when when we spoke to Martha, she rents a space within someone else's collective. You're building the collective and then you're handpicking those people who are going to be part of that collective and you're creating this safe environment where they can do their best possible work. Exactly. You oh, get it. I love it. I want to ask you about some of the practical elements of the collective. For example, if I rented space at the collective, which is something for sure I would have done in my first, you know, one to 15 years, if someone had come to me with this idea, I would have said, count me in immediately. So if I rented space from you, what does the signage look like when my clients come through the door? Where is my name? How does that work? So your name is going to be um, highlighted behind the receptionary area. Um, you know, you're going to have a receptionist that will check in your, your clients and they'll take them directly to the meeting room. So you're not going to be pulled through the space. The residencies are on the, are on the perimeter of the building. The meeting areas are on the interior of the building. So, you know, you're not going to be passing by office with signage, office with signage, office with signage. Um, you know, we, we create a space that is centralized for meetings and, and um, the vendor library and then private spaces and, and semi-private spaces are around the perimeters where clients should not be accessing. I love that. That is really smart. And I'm, I'm so happy you thought about that because I had an experience of walking through another collective where they also had the names behind the reception desk. But to get to that person's office, I had to go past 12 other designers who were doing cool, interesting things. And I was wondering, huh, I wonder how the client's going to feel passing these 12 cool, interesting designers to get to the 13th. Um, And if there's some hierarchy in going back so far to the last designer on the block kind of thing. Anyway, you sort of thought that through and have solved that problem. That's really smart. The other thing I think that's really cool in in your example of a collective, which might not be the same as every collective, but in your example, Carly, you're going to, once you rent the space, you're immediately a we. You have a receptionist, you have a boardroom, you have a library. You're suddenly a big 
a much bigger deal than you are when you're working at home by yourself in your basement. Yeah. And you have a resource librarian who manages your samples and places the orders for you. Right. Like, which by the way, hopefully your designers will be billing out that time because that's billable time. Exactly. I really see the value proposition here and I just, I'm thrilled for you and I want this to be a huge success and you're going to inspire so many people to think about whether or not they could start something like this. There's a million ways to do it. I mean, you could just, you know, get three friends and each of you rent a portion of an existing collective workspace, or you could do what Carly is doing and go all the way and build, you know, a dream space for people to come in and rent and work. Are there cons that you anticipate that you are already dealing with? There are manufacturers that love the idea of a one exclusivity, but that doesn't fit our ethos. That doesn't fit our business model. So, you know, I'm sorry, but how can we come to the table? But in the day, we have to make sure that the designers and the architect are the main goal that we're trying to, you know, achieve. If they don't prosper in that space, then it's dead in the water. So, you know, they come first and foremost. Um, another thing is, you know, competitiveness and sassiness in the space, right? So we have a welcome package that talks about your guidebook and your handbook as to like what we will and will not allow in the space. The community manager is an exceptional person and she has the energy and the passion that is going to, you know, create humble, active, act, you know, activism in the space. But if you don't get it, then you're not a part of this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we want to make sure that people understand that everyone has their personalities. Everyone, not everyone has to be friends. Not everyone has to get along. But if you maintain a certain amount of vulnerability and a certain amount of humbleness, then it will be successful. But we're not for everyone. And that's a good thing. Yeah, one bad apple. One bad apple don't spoil the whole bunch, girl. Big ticket number in sixth grade. That's good to anticipate because you have to have a, a group that gels and is cohesive yeah. and looks out for each other. So somebody has to be the person in charge of escorting the bad apple out of the room. Absolutely. So Absolutely. that's your community manager. That's my community manager. She is just the person that makes you feel like a superstar every day. Wow. That's a great tip. So for anybody who's thinking of starting a collective, have that person who is in charge of personalities and human beings. When are you launching? When does a cooperative launch? It's launching late fall this year. All right. I'm expecting an invitation to the party. Oh, oh my goodness. We're going to throw it. We're going to, we're the cool, we're the cool new kids on the block. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not cool at all, but I just, I'll just no, come and ba- cool. no. <laughs> I'm the opposite of cool, but I'll come and bask in your glory and success. Cause I'm just rooting for you guys. Give us all your coordinates. How do people reach out to you? Um, you know, how do we find you at carriage lane, but also if you're interested in participating in the collective in some way, how did they find you? They can follow me on Instagram. We're at carriage lane designs. Um, also carriage lane designs online and the collective we have a website a landing page right now at the collective and on instagram we're the dot collective dot to 
Carly, we like to end every episode with design intervention, some advice that you think is just invaluable. What would you offer to the community of listeners? Um, I think what I'd offer is, you know, be a shepherd. You know, at the end of the day, you know, having the ability to lead by example, having self-awareness and self-love really matter. Be willing to share what you know with those around you and lead lead by example. Like it's okay if other designers learn something valuable from Carly because them doing better will ultimately impact all of us in a really positive way. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Okay. I'm looking forward to the launch party and thank you so much for sharing all this wisdom with everyone. We really appreciate it. Thank you. That this was awesome. So there you have it. The first part of an intensive episode about collective and cooperative workspaces. Thank you so much to Tawny, to Martha and to Carly for participating in episode 105. We'll wrap up the conversation with some final information and you should be in good shape to decide whether or not a cooperative or collective workspace is right for you. Thanks so much for letting us experiment this way. It's fun to try something new from time to time on the podcast. And your ideas are really important to us. So if you have a topic you want to hear about or you need to be on the show, let us know. Thanks, guys. Go out there and get them. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today 